Friday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. It's the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. And you can email me, Pete, at the Pete Callender Show, as coincidence would have it. Um, you can also hit me up on the Twitter machine. It's basically where I live. Um, it's at Pete Callender. I just keep it all consistent. This way, if you don't know how to spell my name, I don't ever hear from you. So, um... I'm old enough to look. I'm not. A, I'm not a young guy. I am not a young guy. I'm old enough to remember when, for example, the "remain in Mexico" policy was racist. That's how old I am. It's uh, many of you probably don't even know what this is. You have to go dig through uh, a history book. See, there I go dating myself again. What's a book, right? So, the "remain in Mexico." Policy is what that racisty racist Donald Trump put in place in order to keep people from coming into America while they were getting their asylum claims adjudicated, knowing that uh, the United States had been running essentially what was called catch and release, which is if you can get across the border, then uh, you could uh, file an asylum claim and then they would release you and just you could. Go on your merry way, and at some point, there'll be some sort of a proceeding, and we hope you know you show back up for it, where we would totally deport you if we ruled that your asylum was not legit. But if you don't show up, well, we're probably not going to ever search for you, right? So totally see you at your court date, right? So obviously, this was a uh, it was a um, an end run around any kind of border security and like, like I am pro immigration, very pro immigration. I want the best. I want the brightest. I want hard workers. I want people who love the concept of freedom in America and self governance. Like I want everybody on the planet who believes in these things to come here because I believe it makes our nation, which is founded on those principles stronger. Right now, if you're, if you're a socialist, you can just stay home. There are lots of other countries you can stay in and uh, live under those types of systems. But if you want limited government, you want more freedom, then uh, come on here uh, and, and participate in the American dream. Now, that being said, I'd kind of like you to sign the guest book on the way in the door um, because there are some people, uh, you know, for example, the aforementioned uh, socialists and communists and anarchists and terrorists and a lot of other ists, you know, they're, and they don't really want to be here for the right reasons. And so I would just prefer to know who's on the guest list. You know what I mean? So um, also uh, I recognize that you can't keep taking in every single person that, uh, that wants to come in. There has to be a uh, sort of a, a period of acculturation where you kind of get your, uh, you get the feel for the, the existing society and make your way in it and, you just overload everything, then a lot of services that are set up and programs and civic groups that are there to help people who arrive, uh, they, they're going to get overburdened and they will not be able to provide the kind of support necessary to make the transition to American life easy. So that being said, just felt the need to put that disclaimer out there because I understood the rationale for the remain in Mexico policy. Because Mexico, let's be honest, doesn't really care to stop people from coming across the border. In fact, they kind of help it, right? They help people along. They put out comic books telling you 
how to do it. They put out, and these comic books will tell you how to uh, get by in America once you arrive. So, uh, and sometimes, like they do, they do comic books, by the way, because there are people that can't read or speak a different language. And so this helps them too, because what do we know about Mexico, right? They're givers. So they have not been too keen on helping us with border security, even though half of that border is theirs. It's very, it's a very thin line. You have to just, but if you, if you slice it right down the center, like the southern half of that line, that's their border. So the Remain in Mexico policy kind of incentivized them to give a flying fig Newton, right? But then what happened? Well, because it's, you know, Donald Trump, the racisty racist. So uh, he was attacked and then they sued and they're like, you can't do that and got tied up in court. And then Joe Biden comes along and he's like the remain in Mexico policy called it dangerous. He called it inhumane. He said it goes against everything we stand for as a nation of immigrants. And he said, look, if you elect me, I'm going to end this racisty racist racism. So. Uh, he got elected. And what did he do? He made a big deal. right? He's like, hey, I'm in office. Check me out. I'm awesome. I'm going to sign uh, this executive order that undoes the Remain in Mexico policy because I'm not a racisty racist that does racisty things. And that was what, back in uh, uh, January. Breaking news. Joe Biden to re-implement Trump's Remain in Mexico policy in November. <laughs> and so there you have it. Gee, I wonder I wonder if we'll get any coverage that Donald Trump was right. Because he was. This was the correct policy. This is just for our friends in the media who may not know, because you weren't alive back then. See, I'm old enough to remember this. You might not be. So just a heads up. For all of the people that were around, and Joe Biden, he's a little bit older than I am, so he was around back then, but he was saying really terrible things about this policy, and they were saying that Trump was wrong to do it, and it was the wrong policy. Well, you might want to go back and ask those folks, who are still alive, obviously, um, why they got it so wrong. Maybe hold them to account for being wrong. It's one of the things that drives me nuts. North Carolina is a perfect example of it as well. For years, there's a group in North Carolina funded by the usual left-wing philanthropic organizations, uh, the North Carolina Budget and Tax Center. And uh, when the Republicans took over in 2011 and they began implementing their tax reforms, the North Carolina BTC, the Budget and Tax Center, they predicted that we would be bankrupt. They said... It's going to be massive budget gaps, uh, deficits, all this stuff. I mean, just real doom and gloom, end of the world, cats and dogs living together kind of stuff. And what actually happened was record surpluses. Yet they still get quoted as experts and nobody has ever asked them, hey, why did you get that so wrong? You're supposed to be budget and tax experts. You kind of stink at it. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Oh, in case it isn't clear, we're going to have some fun with our friends in the press corps. I try to call the media because media is a more encompassing term. Press is, you know, the, is print. 
That's why I try to always call it news, con- uh, you know, call them news conferences rather than press conferences because, uh, you know, radio people are allowed to be there too. All right. Um, let's get to now. So I went over the, uh, uh, the uh, immigration issue. Sorry, I'm looking at this uh, post-it note that I have here to remind me, because the other issue is Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. He is the transportation secretary, and he and his husband uh, they had uh, adopted that recently uh, a couple of uh, baby twins, and they remember they had the picture taken in the hospital room. In the hospital bed, they're both sitting in the hospital bed holding the kids, and they took a picture, and people were like, why are you in the hospital bed? You're two dudes. You didn't give birth to the babies, but, like, and then, you know, people were like, well, they they have to sit down to hold the babies. There's no other chairs in the room. Whatever. I don't care. Right? That was just, that was the photo, and everybody was giving them grief about it. That was, like, two months ago, apparently. And the reason this comes up again is because they confirmed yesterday afternoon that um, Buttigieg has been out on paternity leave for the last two months. Two months. What would you say you do here? You know, yeah, like really. What would you say? You're the transportation secretary. And as yesterday's program, I went over in great detail the supply chain problems, the import, export, distribution, transportation issues. Seems like it might be kind of important to have the one guy in the administration. Again, this is I'm just going to go off of the assumption that the command control economy people go by, which is, you know, one person put in charge can control and and. you know, manipulate all these markets and make things occur. Make it so. Do it right. Help us all out. Solve all the problems. And this dude's been on leave for two months. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course, <laughs> the I. What it exposes is that we don't need anybody to be secretary of the transportation department. There's no need for that position. If that guy has been gone for two months, I've not seen anybody. Like, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Uh, Mark Sanford. Former Governor Mark Sanford. I was literally sitting at this spot when Mark Sanford went missing and then was found. And, gosh, that's been a long time ago. I am old enough to remember that. Uh, What, 10 years, 15 years ago? I just remember thinking, like, everybody was, oh, my gosh, where's the governor? Where's the governor? And and maybe this is, like, the limited government, lowercase l, libertarian in me. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, who cares? He's the governor of South Carolina. Like, so what? (laughs) Oh, no, what are we going to do? We we don't have all 50 governors ready to go. I mean, look, I get it for, you know, the lieutenant governor of South Carolina might need to know that sort of thing. But me, I like I'm interested. Yeah, OK, let me know if you find him. I mean, if, if he's missing for a longer period of time, I'm probably going to grow more concerned. But not after 24 hours like the guy, you know, 
He went out for some chocolate chocolate chip ice cream. Whatever. Um, no, no, he said he was hiking the Appalachian Trail. And then, of course, it turned out he had uh, absconded down to Argentina to uh, be with his paramour. And um, Monica, who just actually wrote me uh, and said that, by the way, that bumper music, she called it horrendous. Um, what was that anyway? It did sound, what was that squawking? It, it sounded like, a, it did sound like a, um, like one of the sirens when you're about to, uh, like when you're leaving the Best Buy and they didn't like take off the tag or something on your electronics. <laughs> And it starts alerting. That's what it kind of sounded like. Wah, 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 wah. I don't know what it was. We don't have to listen. Dude, do not play it again. It's St. Lucia, by the way. Oh, that's that's the that's the island. And we've had this discussion before. All right. So is this is that the band? Right, St. Lucia, Lucia, St. Lucian, St. Lucia, Lucia. That's literally an island. Okay, so St. Lucia. Is that the only song that you play by them? Uh, there's one. There's one other song that I've used before uh, on other shows for bumpers. Did I criticize that one too? No. Is it just this one I've criticized it's, twice it's now? It's just this one you've criticized twice. Twice. Okay. So what does that mean now? Putting that one in the do not <laughs> in the do not play group. There you go. See that? Ryan and I are at the we're in the honeymoon phase of our <laughs> relationship. So we're our, learning our as honey, we go. How long's our honeymoon been? It's been what, what three months? Well, hey, you know what? Uh I like to take my time with relationships that matter, you know. <laughs> so uh <laughs> so I'm trying to so we're just, you know, we're you know, we're learning each other's uh pros and cons here. And uh so that's that one's definitely a con. If I never hear that song again, perfect. Um yeah, because I had, yeah, I, I, it, it's like, I, I guess I, did, I just blocked it out. I didn't even hear it. It was just like white noise to me. Well, you were a little distracted talking to Garrison at the break. That's probably why. True. I was talking to Mark Garrison. We had a great time last night. He was doing the, he did the Talktoberfest with Brett Jensen on uh, WBT's Facebook page. There, uh, We do it every Thursday night this month. I did it last week with Bo Thompson. Garrison did it with Jensen last night uh, on the Facebook. And, uh it was a, I mean, a really good discussion, and I was simply apologizing for derailing the topics onto favorite pizza places. That was not my intent, but that's what happened anyway. All right. Now, it is my intent to throw it over to the WBT News Center with Mark Muller. And thank you. I listened to the whole show last night, It was by the fantastic. Way. It was. Why didn't you comment? How come you weren't in there mixing it up? I, I was a silent uh-huh. viewer. Lurker. Yeah. What would you say you do here? Yeah. Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, look, and I'm not here to beat up on Pete Buttigieg for uh, taking two months off with the arrival of the new babies for paternity leave, right? It's not, I, I'm, I'm not here to do that. That's not the point. And it's, it's really not even the point to highlight that, like, you could be missing a transportation secretary during a like transportation related crisis for two months and nobody notice it. Right. I'm not even here. Okay. Well I am. Okay. Fair enough. I am here to mock that just a tad, but mainly the main point is to play everybody's favorite game, which is what if it was a Republican? Could you imagine? Could you imagine if there was a Republican transportation secretary 
let's just say under the racisty racist Trump administration, right? Who was just MIA for two months and there was no undersecretary either. Like, where's the person? Where's the number two? Who's where's the number two in this scenario? Right? They, shouldn't somebody have been thrown in front of cameras to talk about this stuff? Buttigieg was at the president's uh, speech the other day in the East Room. What was that? Wednesday. So he was there. So they brought him in for that. And then he did an interview. And I played the clip of it yesterday where he made the stupid joke. But now it makes sense because the guy's been home. He's been he's been home for two months. <laughs> he hasn't been paying attention. So he gets thrown up onto CNN and uh, he has to crack a joke about, oh, yeah, I shop late for Christmas. Ha ha ha. Uh-huh. Imagine if that were the Trump administration. People would have lost their minds on him, right? I mean, they might have impeached Trump a third time for something like that. This brings us to Katie Curry. Uh, Couric. Katie Curry. Katie Kirk. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say the chipmunk, because that's what people, uh, never mind. Katie Couric has admitted to protecting Ruth Bader Ginsburg from public backlash by cutting out negative comments that she made about people who kneel during the national anthem. It's been a couple years, but again, I am old enough to remember this controversy. Oh, it was a big controversy. Oh, my gosh. Like, you had to have an opinion about this, uh, and it had to be the right opinion, or, like, you were the most racisty of racists ever. And you couldn't be like, I don't care. Which, by the way, and maybe this is, again, just like my lowercase l libertarianism. Like, I don't care. Like, I really don't. Like, if you want to you want to go at the beginning of the game and you want to take a knee on the national anthem, whatever, like, that's what you want to do to protest. I don't care. Because I don't care. Like, I'm not, I don't show up at a game and give my money to your boss um, but I don't, and you to some degree, but I don't, I don't do that in order to get your political hot take, right? I, I literally don't care what you think about anything. I care how you perform on the field. And if you put out a product that's crummy, then I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to watch anymore, right? Which has been the case like in Carolina for a very long time. Oh, come on. No, I'm just kidding. But not really. Okay. Uh, let me go over here to Billy. Hello, Billy. What's going on? Hey, I think um, if it was a Republican president, a Republican administration, and the same thing occurred, taking two months off for, what is it, attorney leave, and the person was gay, I don't think anything would be said about it. Now, if he was heterosexual, they'd probably say something about it. Right, no, which is why when I said it, if he he had been a Republican and he had been missing MIA for two months— People would have made a big stink about it. Absolutely. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think not if not if he was gay. I understand what you're saying. You don't understand what I'm saying, Billy. uh, Maybe I'm retarded. I don't know, but no, I I don't think it. Because I think we're just overly sensitive with sexuality. No, what I said. No, actually, you're the one that's that's harping on the sexuality part of it. I said. 
if he were missing for if he were missing for two months, if it was any administration official MIA for two months during an actual crisis of some kind, people would be mad about it. That was the premise of my assertion. You're the one who's who's making it about the paternity and the sexuality, and that would give him insulation. I'm well, simply who, who's mad about it. What do you mean? Who's mad about it? You said if anyone did it, he is anyone who is mad about it. What's Nobody's mad about, about it. it. Nobody's mad about it. That was my point: is that people give him a pass because it's a Democrat administration. That's the point. I, I, I don't think I don't think that's the case. You think he, you think he think gets a pass because he's gay? He's a Democrat. He's going to pass because he's gay. Oh. He's getting a pass because he's gay. You, so you don't think he would get a pass if he were heterosexual two months on paternity? No, no, he wouldn't. Huh. No. I, no. Uh, if you're if you're saying that the paternity leave is irrelevant in the social justice sweepstakes, I disagree. Well, I just you know we we tiptoe on issues regarding individuals who are in a particular group that is very sensitive or other people are very sensitive to saying anything about them. I think that's the issue. No, for me, the issue is that the transportation secretary was gone, MIA, for two months. I even made a point of referencing the lack of an appearance by an undersecretary to step in where the the secretary was gone, and then remember, I had the whole sort of uh, the, the, the the pre roll. I, 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 I didn't know anything about it until you mentioned it because the reporters, I guess, it's not a big deal to them either because they're not going to go there. Right, and you're assuming you're assuming that they're not going there because he's gay. I'm assuming that nobody goes there because he's a Democrat because it didn't matter. The paternity, the I'm reason saying, for no, I understand what you're saying, Billy. I, I've said this already. Okay. I understand your point. You don't understand mine. You keep bringing I it back to point. no. You keep bringing it back to the paternity thing, and you keep setting up all the constructs about him being gay and the paternity and all that. And my well, point is that he was gone for two months and nobody knew it. Nobody cared. He I, was gone for two months. It didn't matter. People just found out now that he was gone for two months for paternity reasons, but nobody cared I, for two months. I think I think him being a Democrat and. Also, it's a little bit overlooked. It probably, you know, it, it, it may be the case that if he was a Democrat, which he is, yes, and heterosexual, they may not even make a big stink o- over it. You know, but it seems like if it's a Republican, you know, jaywalking, oh, well, oh, look at he's doing. What is he doing? You know, so I, I mean, it, it's just the media, how they report things, you know, buying. Well, now you're arguing my point. He wants. Right. Well, now you're arguing my point, which was my point. Yeah, I, that was, yeah, well, yeah, that was my agree. point. I'm yes, glad we agree. All right, thank you, Billy. I appreciate it. You make it a brilliant point at the end, at the end there. You started off kind of on shaky ground, but by the end, you arrived at the brilliance of my point. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. That's too bad. Mark said he had a really good point to make about Pete Booty Gig, and I, and then he hung up. Or maybe, well, we might have lost the cell signal. That's possible as well. Could have driven through a tunnel. No? By the way, uh, like, I don't care about his sexual orientation. I don't care about his sex life. I don't care, I don't care about any 
of that stuff. And again, this is why, like, I was not like a, a soft shoulder for people to cry on during like the gay marriage fight and stuff because I didn't think government should be involved in that at all anyway. So, uh, because I don't care. I don't care. Like what you're doing in your bedroom and who it's with, I don't care. Okay. So, um, you know, you're like, I don't know you. You're not my friend. Right? So, okay. so it doesn't matter to me. So none of this is about paternity and leave and all of that. It's about him being gone for two months and nobody knowing he was gone for two months. And by the way, that is Democrat privilege. It is. That's Democrat privilege. You could not be away from your post for two months and nobody know if you were a Republican, particularly if there's a crisis going on <laughs> that's related to the area which you are supposed to be overseeing, right? Your sector of the economy. And the reason why you can tell it's Democrat privilege is because we don't even know who the undersecretary is. Like, nobody got brought out to be like, hey, uh, you know, Mayor Pete, or I guess Secretary Pete is uh, home with his husband and the babies. And so he's on paternity leave. And then everybody go, oh. And then, you know, he would address the issues and do the news conference or whatever. Nobody, there, there was nobody there. Nobody was trotted out. So this is Democrat privilege. Okay. Just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg got Democrat privilege. Because she sat for an interview with Katie Couric and Katie Couric chopped out some stuff that would have made Ruth Bader Ginsburg look bad. And I understand, like, sometimes these are difficult decisions to make. Sometimes you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, this person just said something and um, I need to make sure, like, before I run this, I want to make sure, like, are you sure you said? Here's a perfect example. I used to do interviews pretty regularly with a former county commissioner named Bill James. Bill James, for folks who may not remember, um, bit of a lightning rod. He could say some stuff that would get controversial. And when he would do that in interviews, and I would ask him specifically, hey, Bill, you just said whatever, Um are you sure you're good with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he never had a problem with anything. And I'm rolling tape on the uh, on the interview with him. So he knows he's being recorded. But I still ask him just to confirm, like, hey, are you sure this is what you want to say? And he would say yes, and then I would use it. And then outrage would ensue, right? So I get that there's a – and you do have, as a journalist, you have an ethic there. There's a responsibility. Because sometimes people are talking, and they say things – that aren't as precise or as clear as they would want it to be. Or when they hear it come back to them, they're like, Oh, you know what? I don't, I, let me reframe that. Let me revise my remarks. And I think an ethical journalist allows their subjects to do that, but you, you do it with them. Like you say to them, this is what you said. I'm going to use it because it sounds kind of crazy. So are you sh- like, do you, are you sure you want this to be your quote? And you read it back to them or you play it back for them. That did not happen in this case. Katie Couric admits in her like 8,000 page book, that's only 500, but still, um, she admits that like she heard Ruth Bader Ginsburg say these things about the people who kneel at the games and the people who are protesting. In other words, what? Black people and leftists. And she hears these comments 
and she is torn. She has this decision to make. What do I do with this audio clip? Do I leave it in the story? The former Today Show host reveals in her new book that she let her personal political views influence her editing decisions after her interview with Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 2016. Now, I don't know about you, but I am completely surprised that Katie Couric, of all the people, would do such a thing. I'm actually not surprised at all that Katie Couric would do such a thing because she did it already. Remember the documentary she made about guns? Remember that? I am old enough to remember this as well. I really am dating myself in today's program, right? Because when you've been around as long as I have, you see these things, right? They happen like this one back in 2016. Now, the young, you young whippersnappers are not going to remember this, but in 2016, the makers of a new Katie Couric documentary on gun violence deceptively edited an interview because Couric and a group of gun right uh, or between Couric and a group of gun rights activists in an attempt to embarrass them. The documentary was called Under the Gun, and she's interviewing members of the Virginia Citizens Defense League. And she can be heard in the interview asking activists from the group, quote, if there are no background checks for gun purchasers, how do you prevent felons or terrorists from purchasing a gun? That's the question. If there are no background checks... How do you prevent bad guys from getting a gun? And in the documentary, it just shows the activists sitting there for nine seconds without answering. Like, really awkward. Like, oh, look at these idiots. They don't know the answer. They have no answer. Katie Kirk totally nails them. However, in real life, what actually happened was they did answer her. Immediately, they had answers to her question. She didn't like them, though, so she cut them out. So, no, I'm not terribly surprised that Katie Couric allowed her political views to influence the way she told a story. What's really amazing is that she's actually acknowledging it in a book, but I guess it sounds like she's burned a lot of bridges over the course of her career, so I guess this is the last bridge to burn, and it's herself.